Speaking up can be a hard thing to do. I said speaking up can be a hard thing to do. Sometimes it can feel like no one hears you, or maybe it's hard to ask for what you need. Self-advocacy is a prietz that supports learning how to speak up for yourself and your needs. Voice your opinions. Make your own decisions. With confidence. Self-advocacy is an important skill to have in life and in work. This is Josh. And this is Nicole. And you're listening to the Oregon Transition Podcast. Brought to you by the TCAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network and professionals across the state. We've got you covered from Portland to Ontario, from Hood River to Klamath Falls, from Seaside to Burns, and everywhere in between. Welcome back. Welcome to the Oregon Transition Podcast. Welcome, welcome. And today's episode is all about... Self-advocacy. <laughs> See, Nicole, I was waiting for you to say it because I wanted you to advocate for yourself what this lesson was about. Oh, well, had I known that that was the expectation, I absolutely would have advocated for myself because self-advocacy is a pre-et, a pre-employment transition service. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about different ways that, we, that students can practice self-advocacy. And also why self-advocacy is so important. So our first clip is from Heather Lynch, who is a VR counselor in Bend. That is right. Heather provides amazing trainings across the state that empower youth, and uh, she is just a pleasure to talk to. My name is Heather Lynch, and I'm a vocational rehabilitation counselor specialist. That's a mouthful. I work for vocational rehabilitation. My specialty area is motivational interviewing. Um, so what is self-advocacy? Self-advocacy, in uh, at least the way I think of it, is sharing our needs, sharing what's important to us, um, maybe even sharing our intent with others. So it's that communication of. And why is self-advocacy important? Um, I think in thinking about our students, that they are self-determined in, in their world and, and helping them to think about how they share what they want, what they need. Um, we, we're not always good about asking for what we want um, or what we need and maybe sharing our preferences. So I think making, uh, helping students to, to make that more clear to others who might support them in, uh, in the things that they want to be supported in. So what are some examples of how students can use self-advocacy skills in their life? Hmm. Let me count the ways. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is preferences, interests, needs, and strengths. And uh, you know, what would it be like if our students were the ones to really share those with us? And as we're writing those uh, those goals for them in their individual education plan or in uh, the voc rehab world, their individual plan for employment. Um, and if they were the ones to say what it is that they really prefer, how they prefer things, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Um, uh, one example that I think of a lot is uh, a, a great letter of support they can write to an employer, a potential employer. Here's who I am. Here's what works for me uh, when I'm learning a new job. Here's what I do best. Here's how I'm going to be a great employee to you. And by the way, these are also things that you um, might need to know about me for things to go well. So it's all about sharing that story and um, finding the help that students need um, to reach their goals. 
and if uh, they're able to share that with people and share it uh, in a way that's useful for them, uh, it's likely that things will work better. So Josh, now we know what self-advocacy is. Let's talk about how students can advocate for themselves. Well, it's very important, I think, to have students be the ones that share information about themselves. I had the fortune to attend a breakout session at the Oregon Statewide Transition Conference where this was demonstrated. We worked on uh, my life during the fall term and uh, we had uh, the opportunity to very end of term create or um, have our IP meeting and uh, I think it would be best for, for everyone if I share all her pins and all her strengths and interests and everything uh, through the voice of a 45-year-old Swedish guy. <laughs> much better than, um, so let's see here. We have some of the goals is mobility. What do you think, McKenna? Is this is working out? or? Actually, this is my job that you can handle me. Oh, you got it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So Josh, I know that Anders was joking about the f being a 45-year-old Swedish man who is being a voice for this young adult, but it is something that, that really happens. He really is 45. I know he doesn't look it, but, he, but it's true. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. No, it really does happen. It, it's, it's, we have to, students need to be a voice for themselves. The students are their own experts. And they need to be able, they should be the ones that are sharing their pins with their team. I had the opportunity to attend uh, McKenna's IEP meeting last December, and McKenna led her own IEP meeting. I'm Reimer, and I went to Children High School. And this is my first year at Connections. Okay. We should go next. Uh, what you got? Okay, I'm Anders Persson, I'm one of the teachers at Connections. Uh, I work with McKenna for the Connection component. And um, kind of hoping for this meeting to be very much self-led by McKenna, that mm -hmm. she's in charge mm -hmm. of facilitating, and the team input that we can make some, set some good goals. So my strengths are, I am a fun person to be around. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I am I am hard at working, and my strength is also being independent, and my strength is also being with people. My interests are, I'm interested in working in theater and acting. I like acting. I'm interested in having a job with a group of people. When I get a job, I want to be able to work with other people and do team projects. I like to travel. I want to travel to New York City. <laughs> I like sports. I enjoy playing sports and watching basketball and football. I like video games. My preference. I want a paid job and work yeah. part-time. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to work in the mornings. I like to work with the team. My next move. Is, is a test that we took for like what personality like jobs I would do and I got artistic. Being a really high school yeah. there, yeah. I would like to work at an entertainment and be on stage. 
also work backstage during scripts. <laughs> My needs. I need a so I need a social security. I need to get connected with support agencies. My my eligibility is that I graduated high school. My academic or academic accommodations are like bring and checks for understanding pre-teach pre-teach skills concepts. It means that I just like if I say excuse me, can you say that again? That I can hear better. And then I prefer to sit in front of the class so I can hear. And then I need to have a speed, like my teachers have my speaker. This would, for any agency or outside, and people that are gonna step in and help work with you in the future, they would mm -hmm. get a good understanding of who McKenna is. One, one thing as a strength, I mean, I don't know you, I mean, I feel like I'm just meeting you, but the self-advocacy mm -hmm. you just did right there is pretty incredible. And the fact mm -hmm. that you are very clear about what accommodations you need. And I work with a lot of transition programs and one of the big issues that voc rehab counselors and college accommodations have is that students are coming into these meetings and not being able to state their accommodations. And you just did beautifully. And I love the pictures yeah. that you added because that helps me to remember. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could be my agent, right? <laughs> Josh, it's so great to hear a student advocating and talking about their own preferences, strengths, interests, and needs. I agree. And when students are facilitating their own IEP meeting, they are involved and helps them to understand the entire IEP process. They see how their pins are used to make their post-school goals. And their post-school goals are used to make their course of study and transition services. And the, the other thing I wanna say about these self-directed IEPs is that it shouldn't just be the student lecturing. Like the student is, is leading the conversation, the student is sharing information about their pins or their goals, but the student also needs to solicit feedback from all the members of the team. And so the student shares their strength and then they say, what do you think about my strengths? And the other members of his or her team share the student's strengths and it involves everyone. Josh, you mentioned something about pictures in that last interview. What was that in reference to? Oh yeah, so when McKenna, like so that wasn't done from memory. Like there's a lot, there's some prep work that goes into a student leading in the IEP. And so the way the room is set up is that McKenna is sitting at the table and she's sitting next to a projector and she's at the head of the table. And behind her, she has an electronic portfolio that's being projected. And so when she's talking about her strengths, she's clicking on her electronic portfolio and her strengths come up on the screen. And um, she's not reading it, she didn't read it word for word, but, she, but there was pictures and a little bit of um, dialogue there that was up on the screen that she was talking about. And the nice thing about that is like, let's say, I mean, running an IEP can be nerve wracking. And it can, it can, it can it's, it's hard. And if, if a student gets nervous and doesn't know what he or she should say, it's already up on the screen. And it's the student's voice on the screen. When a student leads an IEP meeting, they can have any sort of barrier, but there's always a way to get around it is what it sounds like. Yes, that it, absolutely. 
And having that, that feedback and that partnership with a student um, can really make them feel supported and free to advocate. And that's evident in our next clip, which um, is with a YTP specialist in the Multnomah County area um, and a student that she's been supporting with her IEP goals. So Amber, where do you find your inspiration to um, motivate other students to advocate for themselves and for, you, for yourself? You really helped me, honestly. Seriously. Like, you told me that, you know, even when I'm having a bad day, I'm doing just fine. As well as my family has helped me. They know it's been hard with my disability when I was younger because I didn't get on an IEP until I moved up here to Portland. How has that, that IEP process helped you kind of think about your plans and your goals? How, how has that inspired you or helped you think about your future? It helped me stay organized more mm -hmm. and like reading off them each year at my IEP meeting made more and more sense, especially this year because I've met a lot of my goals mm -hmm. and it makes me feel good. Was it good to have them on paper and to put some timelines on them and who's going to help you on your team to be able to keep that um, as a record and to see how far you've come? Was that helpful for you to see it in, in on paper? Oh yeah, for sure. It definitely did. Like I would look at them and I, when I was younger, I was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to get anywhere. But now, like my last IEP meeting, I looked at them knowing that I met them. And I was like, wait a second, I did what? <laughs> So it makes me overjoyed and accomplished. We just heard from a student who was talking about her IEP, her individual education plan. Right, and the growth that she's experienced as she's gone through that process. And the great thing about an IEP is that it can also translate to support an IPE which is your individual plan of employment. It's the plan that vocational rehabilitation writes. That's right, and Heather mentioned it earlier, how, how it's so great to have students advocate for themselves when it comes to, to making and creating those and to hear it from their own mouth. Absolutely, because it's the student's goals. And the student needs to be able to share its own goals. It shouldn't be my goals on the IPE. It should be the student's goals. And how do we know what the student's goals are if we don't hear from the student themselves? It's all about self-advocacy. And another fun tool around self-advocacy that is actually geared towards employment, we're going to hear about in our next clip where we got to catch up with Donna Lowry, who is a TNF Prietz support personnel out in... Eastern Oregon. Now the only way to catch up with Donna is via the phone. Um, she's always on the go. So here's an interview from her. So an elevator speech is a brief overview of yourself to a potential employer as to why they should hire you. All of the good qualities that you have that you would want to market yourself to a potential employer. Well, elevator speeches are important. It, it, it gives you, uh, when you're in an interview, a one opportunity for that employer to hear all of those good qualities that you have, and that way you are, in essence, selling your skills to them for a potential job. So you definitely want to briefly give to a potential employer your best and your um, 
the skills that they are desiring to potentially hire you. An elevator goes up really fast, and in a short amount of time, you really not speed fast, but in a short amount of time, you want to be able to highlight your best skills so you can reach the top, just like an elevator does. So we did a cool activity. Oh yeah? Yeah. I held an event with friends of the pod, CJ Webb and Tony DePeel, who are also Prius coordinators. That's right. And we worked with students to create elevator speeches. So Tony introduced what an elevator speech is to the students, and there was probably about 30 students in the room at the time. And the students practiced them, and we were able to record a few of them. Oh, I'm so excited. Hi, my name is Seth Olson. I, I want to take over my family farm. We have about 1,300 head of cattle, and uh, they should all have done all my life. Fantastic. That was great. All right. Hi, my name is Angelina, and I really love to sing and perform. And I love to see people smile when I perform and it gives me an adrenaline rush and it makes me feel very happy inside. That was awesome. Can we give her a round of applause? That was great. <laughs> nice example. So Nicole, where can I find instruction on how to do an elevator speech? Great question, Josh. Elevator speeches are part of Priet's curriculum. If you have a student that is interested in learning more about self-advocacy and the skills around self-advocacy, you can always reach out and connect with a pre-ETS coordinator in your area via email at pre.ETS, which is E-T-S, at dhsoha.state.or.us. So, self-advocacy isn't always about speaking. Right. Sometimes it's about actions or finding ways to do things yourself. One thing I've learned in almost my two years as a TNF is is that there are a lot of services out there and a lot of providers out there. So how do I find what's right for me? Well, Josh, I'm glad you asked. I was able to meet up with someone who's created a great website called AbleFind. And uh, let's hear from him what it's all about. My name is Tell Woolsey. I'm a web accessibility specialist for the Center on Human Development at the University of Oregon. AbleFind is an uh, online database for disability-related services in the state of Oregon. Basically, what we were trying to do is uh, consolidate all the services into one place where people can find them easy, especially all the little smaller ones that are hard to find through Google and things like that. What kind of services? You said there are like smaller ones, larger ones? Yeah, there's all kinds of services in the state. Like most people know the, the big ones, you know, social security, vocational rehabilitation, stuff like that. But there's all these smaller services that aren't necessarily um, at a state level, um, but a lot of them are at a county level or even a city level, such as help with transportation. Like here in Lane County, we have a um, thing called RideSource. And it's for helping people with disabilities get to appointments and things like that where they charge a small fee, but it's, it's cheaper than a cab um, and faster than the bus. Um, you also have things that'll help you with uh, finding a job or, or places that'll teach you how to use technology. Um, all sorts of small little services that I didn't even know about until I started putting this thing together. And and is it just Lane County, or what area does AbleFind cover? Well, we're based out of Lane County, and so right now that's where we have the most services, but we're really trying to get services from every county, you know, all across the state. And uh, we have quite a few that we're still putting into the database, but there's, there's quite a few of them. <laughs> 
So it sounds like it's it's growing quite a bit still. Yes. Your hope is to have it cover all of Oregon? Yeah, that's the hope, is that we're trying to get uh, um, all the different counties in Oregon to at least get as much as we can. We also encourage people to send us resources. Um, if you go to the website, which is ablefind.org, at the bottom of every page, there's an email address that will go to us, and hopefully people will send us their resources, and we can add them to the database and uh, go from there. Because, like I said, these things are really hard to find if you're just trying to Google for them. So we really rely on people you know, buying in and helping us out. And who can utilize this type of service? I envisioned that it would be used by individuals, um, you know, especially people with uh, developmental disabilities as they, as they grew older, but uh, it can also be used by transition teachers or family members or really anyone who needs help finding services. So students can really learn um, self-advocacy and learn how to find their own resources and it's all in one place. Absolutely. You know, that was the, the, the idea was to take all the searching out of it and so we've tried to do a few different ways for people to find services. Um, one of them is through categories. We have uh, 12 different categories. We're going to be adding more soon um, where someone can just, they want to know what they have for transportation in their area. So they can just click on transportation, put in their zip code or the name of their city and it'll get, bring back all the different resources we have for help with transportation. Yeah. And trying to just make it as simple and painless as possible. Sounds magical. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> so AbleFind. Josh, there's this huge resource database that's growing every day. Um, I've already stated it's magical. So I guess I'm, my question is, is how does a teacher incorporate this? I would build a few lesson plans around AbleFind. I would have students look at their post-school goals. And then I would have them search AbleFind to find those providers that will help them meet their goals. And then what we could do is that we could plan a bus route or plan a walking route and physically go to those places and see them in person. And, and it's all centered around what the student's goals are and the students learning how to use a tool to find those services. Right, so they're advocating for themselves by finding their own resources. Yeah. So there's tons. They're driving the car and they're taking us on the ride. Beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're asking students to drive a car, they have to know where they're going. And how can we help them find the right road to take? I don't know, Josh. How can we help them? Well, we're going to take it back to Heather Lynch, who you met at the beginning of this episode, and she's going to tell us about Maggie. Maggie. Sounds interesting. What is Maggie, and how does it support students? So Maggie, or um, we have to have an acronym for everything, right? It's a Motivational Enhancement Group Intervention is what it stands for, which is uh, not a terribly uh, exciting name, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we need to come up with something a little bit better. Um, but it's actually a, a motivational interviewing um, style uh, delivered group intervention um, for students age 14 to 21 in a classroom setting. So it's uh, a way of helping students to talk about work and career and to build those self-advocacy skills, to build their self-efficacy, to be even more clear about their self-determination around work and career in their life. Wow, Nicole, Maggie sounds great. How's it being utilized? Josh, Maggie is great. It's really inspiring students across the state of Oregon. There are trained facilitators that have been trained specifically by Heather Lynch to provide this service to students, 
And for insight into what that looks like, let's check in with Lon Thornburg, the podfather himself, and also TNF for Eastern Oregon. Okay, so we're at Athena Weston, and in the school district, we're at Weston McCune High School. And we're finishing up Maggie. It's graduation day today. We actually have had some country music playing in the background, and the kids are coloring and having graduation. So, who has thinking about your story? You know what you want to do, your dream job. What what is your dream job, and what is your first step? My dream job is to be a scientist, and my first step is to find an education that takes uh, science classes in college. And what particular area of science were you looking um, at? I'm thinking about doing astronomy because I, to be honest, I love space. Um, I have a telescope I look at, I use every single night, every single night. I never stop using it. And I would go out like probably like around like 10, 11 o'clock at night, look at the stars. I have a, I have a giant notebook, but like this big and that wide. And I would write all of my information on there, draw the stars, and uh, tell, like, I'll, like, write, like, notes to myself, like, notes, like, oh, I saw a shooting star, like, last night, I saw seven shooting stars last night, seven shooting stars last night, and most of, half my wishes came true on that, on that one shooting star, and, my, and that one star was to get all good grades, able to go to college, and find my dream job. Which will come true after I graduate and will come true just like that. So. Awesome. Maggie allows students to identify their preferences, interests, needs, and strengths, and it helps them to self identify their goals. And I like it, I love it because students become motivated and excited about their goals. The Maggie approach is very unique in that it forces um, facilitators and students to really think outside the box and it gives people the freedom and the tools to really express themselves in a way that suits them. So facilitators are guiding students by asking a series of questions and students are using are answering those questions and as they're answering it they're generating their own goals and they're they're doing it themselves. The, the facilitator isn't telling the students what their goals are. Students are generating those goals themselves. Right, they're so, finding their own way and their own path. So you need to be trained. How, how, how can you be trained to be a Maggie facilitator? Well, Josh, Maggie training happens once a year at different sites across Oregon. It is a training that takes place over a four-month period where it's one class each month. And for more information on how to become a Maggie facilitator, which is a free training, by the way, contact heather.m.lynch, L-Y-N-C-H, at dhsoha.state.or.us. Thanks for joining us on this month's episode, Self-Advocacy on the Oregon Transition Podcast. If you have questions or would like to reach out to us or want to find a way to connect to any of these resources, please email us at organtransitionpodcast at gmail.com. Peace out, pod people. The Oregon Transition Podcast is brought to you by KETAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network, including partners with Oregon Department of Education and Vocational Rehabilitation. 
All views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong to the individuals and do not necessarily reflect our sponsoring agencies. The Oregon Transition Podcast was produced by Nicole Perdue, Josh Barber, Nicole Garcia, Heather Lindsay, Peter Fitzgerald, and the podfather, Lon Thornburg. With additional interviews provided by the T-TAN Network. This week's music provided by Boone Richter, transition student out of Brownsville, Oregon. For questions and comments, or just to connect with us, email OregonTransitionPodcast at gmail.com. And for latest OTP updates, like us on Facebook at Oregon Transition Podcast. Please contact us for transition questions, episodes, ideas, and music submissions. All right, um, what's your name? Dan McNary. And Dan, what do you do? I'm a teacher at Tamarack Center, been in the Pine Schools. And Dan, what is self-advocacy? Well, it's for our students going out in the community and uh, being responsible for themselves and creating their own futures.